You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. On February 21, 2016, George Snayman spoke at the Bridge Church in Venice, Florida. Our time is running out. Our time is running out. Work while it is day, for night is coming when no man can work anymore. So spend yourself, give everything you have. Let there be nothing left when your father come home. After all, why do we want to keep anything? Our house is coming. Our home is coming. Right now for a few years we've been given opportunity to show glimpses, just glimpses of what's coming. So go back, endure, push harder, and run the race. Pour yourself out like a drink offering. In the Garden of Eden, something terrible happened. Something happened that made the universe come to a standstill. Even to this day, it impacted every human being, everything in this planet has been affected. The human heart shrank. A time came where the human heart shrank. And I can imagine how the angels, how, how the whole universe came to a standstill and said, what now? We were created in God's image and they could see that huge big heart of God in us. And then the human heart shrank and it contracted into a small dimension of selfishness. And we walked out of our father's house and we became orphans wandering in this world, orphans whose wall of protection have been broken down. We've been stripped of security and our hearts shrank. But then, but then, there was a community that said no. We will go and fetch them. We will go and turn it around. And I shared with you a little bit last year about how that happened. How the son said to the father, I'll go. And he came very focused with one goal to bring you and me home. Listen, forget about all the fancy language we use and three steps and triple E and wada wada. Forget about that. Listen, forget about it. You are loved to the utmost. You are loved. And you know what? You know what? 
He knows what's in your mind. He knows what you did yesterday. He knows what you struggle with. And he say, It's my son. It's my daughter. I love you with a never-ending love. I will never leave you. I love you enough that I give you a free choice. You can walk away. I'll never leave you. And that changes everything. Suddenly, we are not commanded to go. It's not a rule to go. We don't feel guilty. No, 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 no. It's my daddy. He's got a business. And he came to fetch me. He brought me home. And now, in the mornings when I get up, I say to my older brother, I don't know if you know him, he's called Jesus. You know, he's my brother. <laughs> he's my brother. I preached in Toronto last Sunday, and a man walked up to me, never seen him before. He looked me in my eye, and the tears just poured down his face. He went like this. He said, you are so loved. My brother laughs that I'm here. He la- you know, I, I'm not a, I, 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 I want to be with you. I want to sit with you. I want to tell you about dad. I want to tell you about our brother. I want to tell you about the business. The business of bringing our other brothers and sisters home. Out there, out there, to bring them home. You see, Jesus is not called the Prince of Peace for no reason. It's not peace like we know between us and North Korea or whatever. That's not peace. Peace is shalom. Peace is this is incredible picture of God's picture with beautiful threads woven. Did you know that you are one of those threads? You're a specific color, a specific thickness. You, you, you've been woven in a special place to show our Father's heart of compassion to a broken world. But Jesus, when he saw this picture, was unraveling in my village. He said, Dad, I'll go and take my thread and I'll go and strengthen that picture there. I'll go and weave myself into that torn down, worn down brokenness. Jesus said, as a father has sent me, I sent you to be threats to be woven into the picture in places where it's going fade, in places where it's torn down, in places where there's no hope. Jesus said, go and use your thread to make that picture beautiful. Shalom, shalom means everything. And you and I have been called to use this beautiful picture. You're beautiful, you know. You're beautiful and unique and special. He does not need us to do that. It's very important to understand it. But he's luring us. He's tucking many hearts this morning. I just want to say to you, this morning as I watch people coming in here, 
There are people carrying big burdens in this room tonight, this morning. Guilt, condemnation, man. You can be set free, brother. You can be set free. Today, that shalom can burst into your life and, and, and fix that picture in you that is busy fading away. It can happen today. It happened to me. It happened to me. But God doesn't need us to do that. You know why He lures us to do that? You know why He wants us to do that? Because when we dare to do that, and it takes some courage for me, because I'm not brave, but when you dare to do that, some crazy miracle happen. Your heart that has sunk miraculously starts growing again. Because your daddy's heart starts growing in your heart. And the dream is busy happening. More and more sons and daughters of God are busy growing their hearts back to the size it was before the fall. But it can only happen when you go. It can only happen when you take that step. Isn't that incredible? That God has given that to us and allowed us to grow our hearts back. And that's why today there are Christians, Christians, sons and daughters, with hearts that look like raisins. It's just about them. They couldn't be bothered. I'm not called. If you dare, if you dare tonight, when it's quiet, or tomorrow morning when you take quiet time, if you dare to go to your daddy's bedroom, and you put your ear against the door, you will hear him weeping for your brothers and sisters out there. And maybe even a bit for you with your shrunk heart. Him so waiting for the day that he will see your heart growing back to the place he created it to be. That's why we do missions. That's why we give. That's why we go. And you're never too young, never too old. People always ask me, when is the right age to take my children? Well, about the time when you take them to the shopping mall the first time. You better get them into a slum. Because you create a world in their heads that will permanently damage their hearts. And they will blame you for that. And I tell you, I deal with your young adults when they come to Africa. They want to have nothing to do with your success. Because they know the end result is a shrunk heart. 
That's three. All of us are crying to grow in our hearts. In Romans it says, the whole of creation is groaning and moaning for the sons and the daughters to be revealed, for their hearts to be restored, so that we can reach out and bring life to a broken and dying world. So Joshua, my son, was five years old when he was on a rubbish dump with me as we handed out food. And it was terrible. It stank and it was dirty. Joshua learned many things there. One of the things he learned was we had a big bowl of soup and only one chicken. And then the chicken would always sink to the bottom. The chunks of meat. And Joshua, five years old, will know that. Even in a rubbish dump, the most vulnerable children will always be in the back of the line. And then when they come, you will get that smile and you'll go down deep and you'll take out this big chunk of chicken. <laughs> you know why it will give him so much joy? Because he's daddy, he's real daddy. That compassion, he said to Joshua, come on! That's the way to do it. One day, Joshua and I, we did to follow two girls home into the slums. They were always in the back of the line. And that's how I met their mother, Josephine, about 24 years old, dying of AIDS, living in a corrugated shack, mud floor, wet, one blanket, it snows there, one blanket, a little paraffin fire with her two daughters. But you know, as Joshua and I sat there, and we sat with Josephine and her two daughters, Jesus was there. He was so real. He was so real. He was hidden inside the places we don't like to go to. He said, if you dare to go, I'll be there. I'll wait for you. Joshua, at the age of five, had an encounter with Christ that to this day, he's set apart from all his friends. He lives a normal life. He's now a professional young man, married happily, but he can see, he can see, really see people. He can see pain like that. And he can put his little body on the line every time he has to. Because, not because he wants to do good, because he knows that's where his daddy is. That is his older brother, Jesus. His heart started growing. I wish I had that when I was five. It happened to me much later. But Joshua's heart started growing when he was five. Today he's a champion for justice. He stands for it. Because it's pumping and it's part of his DNA. We can start young. Nathan grew up in Toronto, very affluent house godly house. He, he heard me speak in a church and he wrote a letter to me. 
Dear Mr. Snayman, I was quite impressed with you. You're like six years old. I was quite impressed with you. When you come to Toronto, can you please come and speak at my school? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He had, you know what? This kid had no ambition. He, he said, God can use me. If he can use that guy, he can use me. And so when I went to Toronto, I made a point to go to his school. Grade two. And I sat on the floor with all his friends. And I took out the African map. And I shared Jesus and a hope and his heart. And I saw the teacher started coming. And eventually they brought other classes. And we sat in a school where they was not allowed to preach the gospel. A six-year-old boy unlocked the door. And God took me in. As a direct result of that, that school started engaging. His family started engaging. Their church started engaging. Today, there are hundreds of children in Africa without parents, without anybody knowing their names, who are loved, cared for, fed, know Jesus as a result of a six-year-old boy in Toronto that said, I want my heart to grow. But you know it's not always like that. A few months ago, this photo was in the headlines of all our newspapers. I remember when I saw that photo, I was in my bed at a quiet time, and then I picked up my iPad to look at the news, and I saw that photo, and I just wept and wept. I mean, somebody dressed that boy that morning. Somebody that was so desperate, so hopeless, so that the country has been bombed into the ground. I don't care who's guilty. I don't care. But his mommy, she had to do something. They became so desperate that they got on a rubber boat, trying to find safety. He washed out on the beaches where the rich people have their holidays in the summer. I looked at that picture and I thought, God, is that going to be the picture that's going to define our generation? Is that where we're at? Is that where we're at? I wish I can say much more. <laughs> but I'm walking a thin line. But you know what I'm saying to you. But you know, at least that child got to the headlines. And as a result of that child, she paid a big price. 
It's wrong. It's wrong. But at least after that, the whole world set up. And today, hundreds and thousands of families are relocated who would have been bombed into the ground. Because men, selfish men, are fighting. But I know girls, I know children, who will never reach the headlines. Children like these sisters. I remember when I saw that photo. It was girls from the Congo, Goma area. I took that photo to my daughter who was six years old, she was also an orphan that we adopted. And I showed her that photo, and I said to her, Nikki, tell me, tell me what do you think when you look at that photo? I don't believe in hiding the pain from our children. They find Jesus in that pain. They find hope in that pain. I asked my daughter, tell me, what do you think about that photo? And she sat, being an orphan herself, she stared at that photo and she looked at me and she said to me, Daddy, go and fetch them. Go and fetch them. You know when she said that I thought, I shouldn't have asked her. <laughs> I didn't want to hear that. It was a war-torn area. It was a difficult area. I had no money to do that. I walked away from there. I said, God, I don't have money. Within a short time, somebody that don't know anything came to me and said to me, here is, I think, $20,000. Go where you don't want to go. You don't go. I ended up in Goma. At that time, in the Time magazine, it said it was the worst violent place on the planet. I'm standing there. I had a translator that I met at the airport. After 24 hours, he left. I couldn't speak the language. I was sleeping in a guest house where in the middle of the night these soldiers come in. And I, I mean, I'm so scared I don't even know how to get home. I, I'm just thinking, what am I doing here? And here comes a brother, a Catholic brother. And he said to me, I heard why you are here. I'll take you. I'll, because I said to them, I want to go to a village where nobody goes. I'm looking for these children. They took me to a village about 40 kilometers outside Koma. You know, when I got out of the car and I started walking in that village, the children that saw me ran. I will never forget one girl jumped into a bush. It was like sticks and thorns. She jumped into the bush. She was so scared because she thought I was just another rebel coming through that little village. And I ended up with a group of Christian women. And I sat at their feet as they shared the story with me. It was in a burnt down church. 
The roof was shot off. It was burned. There were dark patches on the floor. I didn't know. It was the blood of their husbands. As we sat there, there was a mountain in the background. And they said to me, we know they are coming back. They're referring to rebels. Friends, I walked out of that church this week. I felt totally defeated. I felt totally, what? You know, I wanted to say to them, forget that I ever came. I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm stupid. I listened to a little girl. I should never, I don't have money. I've got nothing. What can I do? They're coming back. I walked out of that church totally defeated up on a hill, a dusty road. And God spoke to me as clear as I speak to you. And he said to me, what if they can say he's coming back? And, and it was like I started feeling something in my feet. I'm feeling something just coming up, building verses. I feel songs of worship, scriptures. I just feel how God just literally took me and he started picking me up. And he said to me, don't you dare leave here. I brought you here. Yeah, of course you can do nothing, but I can turn it around. I turned around, I walked straight back to them. And I just said to them this. I said to them, I'm coming back. That was four years ago. Friends, today we're supporting hundreds of children there. I don't know how we do it. Sometimes the women run across the border into Rwanda while people are shooting each other. They run to get money, to buy food, to help the children. I don't know how we do it. I don't know how it works. But that whole village is coming to Christ because they say never has anybody stood up for them. Never. Nathan, Joshua, George. Simple, ordinary. In my case, a little bit less than ordinary. People who want their hearts to grow for Jesus. What about you? What's your life about? So if this is your last day, what was your life about? When last did you burst into somebody's life? When last did you do anything for anybody? When last did your heart grow? I'm not, I'm not fighting. I want to lure you. I want to to where it's good. Beloved. When we sang that song, I am free. You are free from what? We can sing and we don't have a clue what we sing. We should actually sing and then preach and then say, I'm free from what? You are free from this world. And the Florida spirit I tell you, when I land here, I told somebody, it's the worst ever in the world. I mean, by God's grace, I go to every single country, and I've never, ever 
experience a stronger spirit of materialism than here. Where a moment I land, I can feel. Um, none of us are prone to that. It sucks me in. I look and I think, God, I would love to do that. Oh, I would love that. But then when I think about it, and I think if I, if I throw myself into that, and my heart's going to just sink again? I say, no. 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 So you are blessed. God has put you here for a reason. You must be here. But you are not part of this system. I want to tell you something. Your city is being built as we talk. And the architect is the one who created the universe. He's preparing your room for you. <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty spectacular. I think we can hang in for a while. I think we can say no to a few things and live it up. Spend, go, bless, laugh, grow. Because one day, Dad is coming to fetch us. He's coming. He's coming. Where's he going to find you? Where's he going to find me? And you know, when we start reaching out, the most unexpected things happen. I was in Lagos in a slum. I spoke a little bit about that slum last time. I was in Lagos in a slum where I prayed for widows. In a church where you had to climb over the sewage like this to get into the church. The walls are this high. It's way over a hundred. And there must have been two hundred widows in that church. And I'm praying over them. My arm is so tired. They're so desperate. But they said one girl. She just sat and watched me like this. I stopped praying. I walked to her. I bowed down. I looked her in the eye. And I said to her, tell me about your life. She said, <laughs> she said to me, Sir, I want to go to school. I said to her, me and my family are going to send you to school. I carried on praying for nurses, uh, for the widows. Twenty minutes later, I looked around and she sat next to her mother, who I could clearly see she was busy dying. And when my eyes locked with her mother's eyes, I cannot tell you. My eyes locked with Jesus. That woman sat there and she looked me in the eye. And it threw all these people. When we locked, there was Jesus. Do you see people around you? Are you aware of around you? Can you see, really see? Not just in Africa or South America, but here in Florida, 
I went for a run earlier this morning. I ran past people, elderly lady, ladies, walking. And I think, God. How lonely must he be? Right in our midst. Your God is the only God ever that was a victim of injustice so that you and I can come home. Yeah, that's a great story. That's a great story. And because of that, he hates injustice. And so should you and I. So like Joshua and I many years ago, in a winter's afternoon and a rubbish dump, we found Jesus. I'm saying to you today, go. Go. Go into the slums of Florida, the slums of Africa, the slums wherever God takes you. Go. And find your brother there. And feel your heart grow. And be a son and daughter of dad who's coming back soon. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, <laughs> Father, I, I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. I love you, Father. I love you so, so very much. I pray that you will set people free this morning, Lord. People under condemnation, people under guilt. And that you will stir up and wake up our brothers and sisters who are slumbering, who've got raisin hearts. Let them experience the Holy Spirit, to let their hearts grow. I bless this community. I bless them. I pray that they will go out and that they will bring them home and that they will run the race until you come back to fetch us. Go and take your thread and wave it into the places where you are needed. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. www.handsatwork.org